We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, a.k.a. Granges McBasketball. We are almost to the all-star break. Lakers stood pat at the trade deadline, Tim, but it was a busy week nonetheless. They were able to get Spencer Dinwiddie, who we'll be talking about in depth today, the signing the Lakers got. Spencer Dinwiddie, for free, gave him the rest of that mid-level exception that they saved from giving Gabe a full mid-level. So that worked out. There was some some foresight there from the front office to be able to save a little bit of money. And they got a free, pretty quality backup guard we'll talk about, Tim. But other news, the Lakers also revealed the Kobe statue. What did you think of that, dude? I thought that was really cool. It's uh, I wish it was on a different day than the trade deadline because attention wasn't fully on it. But it was, it Fair. was really he's definitely earned it. There are going to be two more, right? Is that what they said? Apparently, there are two more planned. Uh, one with the 24 jersey, one with Kobe and Gigi. I was saying they should do one inside the concourse. Yeah, I, and they could do some really cool stuff with that if they wanted to, like, take up a whole area in a hallway with just a bunch of Kobe pictures or videos or things around it as well. Make it a whole Kobe shrine sort of thing. Uh, they, I don't know. I, I hope they pursue that because they can definitely do more than just have three Kobe's outside. And I'm really glad that they've got the one for sure. Excited to see what future plans look like, look like, but uh, yeah, one, one cool piece of news uh, always makes me sad to, to think about him, but yeah, um, I think he'd be happy with, with how the Lakers are turning things around a little bit. Went in some games. Absolutely. Um, and I, I guess before we get into the trade piece, like, Looking at the recent stretch of games, this has been the most injured the Lakers have been this season in terms of how many rotation players they've had out. The past six games in a row, they've been missing three or four guys. And despite that, have gone four and two. So they've put themselves in position at that trade deadline 
and well, I guess two of these games were after the deadline, but at the deadline and then and then shortly after with the buyout market to still be, you know, in the thick of things, still have plenty of work to do. And that's where Spencer Dinwiddie comes in. Hopefully you can get healthy soon. But as we've added him, Max Christie's down. Uh, Gabe yeah. Vincent's going to be out for a while still. Cam Reddish should be back at some point soonish, but still after the, the All-Star break. Vando's out until after the All-Star break. Um, so we've seen, you know, not not the easiest of times for the Lakers, but they've been able to battle through it and put themselves in a position where we're still, I don't know, I'm still really intrigued with what this team can do this see how Dinwiddie kind of fits into things. Yeah, it's it's still a big change adding a player of that caliber to the team, you know, again, for free, which is awesome. And it gives the Lakers, you know, we'll, we'll get into depth about it, but just kind of more broadly, you know, another body right now, which is super helpful. Just an NBA body, guard. They were out there playing Skyler Mays, which sadly, Tim, I kind of liked Skyler Mays' minutes. He was not great defensively, and maybe, you know, he can get there with some, just getting to play a little bit more with these guys, but kind of, I kind of liked uh, what I saw for a two-way guy and gave some some spot minutes there. Yeah, I've he and Windler have both looked more like NBA players than the the players they were replacing on those two ways. So good moves by the yeah. Lakers. More prepared if the injury bug hits and it has hit and Mays stepped in and you know credit to him. He's he stepped up and that's been the depth of this team throughout the the course of the year. You've seen. Just about every guy need to step up at a different point. And, you know, not everybody's played their best ball all year round, but whether due to injuries or uh, just individual players not playing, you know, up to, to par, their teammates have been able to step in, step up and help get the job done. And Maze is just the latest example of that. But it's it's good to see. Maybe the Lakers have found another one that might be someone they try to keep around uh longer term see what we have with him hopefully we won't have to see him too much more this season because you'd hope that the lakers can get a little healthier but it's uh always nice to see guys in those positions succeed make the most of it he's certainly not a perfect player still got a lot of room for growth but those were some important minutes that he was able to fill in for and you know the lakers able to survive a little bit some of like even d'angelo russell being out for a bit which is you know is always going to hurt the team when one of your two main playmakers goes down very very unfortunately coincidentally exactly the day of the trade deadline that you get you know in a <laughs> procedure done it's very unfortunate yeah it's crazy how that happens hey at least he's, <laughs> at least he's being productive with his uh with his pto he's not just taking right day off and hanging out he, he's maybe doing a little uh some some a little bit of procedural work that might help him out longer term or even in in these coming games Speaking of, it's kind of a non sequitur. Sorry, but just briefly, did you see any of that ADD low podcast? Because I thought it was pretty fun. I didn't watch it. I saw quotes on Twitter, but uh, right. what, hit, hit me with, with some of the highlights. What did you like about it? I mean, there's a brief tour of like AD's house and it's just a lot more insight into AD, who he, has as, who he is as a dude. There's a big poster of him in the locker room holding the trophy that he has framed like on his way out. He mentions like, my car's right here. I leave this way to go out every day. I see this picture. I remember, like, let's get it, champ. D'Lo showing some more personality as well, just kind of as a fun, kind of goofy, you know, that celebratory guy you see, like, that's really D'Lo. And, you know, I, to tie it into this team, I think it's great that they stuck with it. I think we've been been calling for this, you know, trying to build the chemistry, trying to grow with this unit because we feel like they have a lot of, 
interesting pieces and opportunities to be able to do some some good basketball work. And they did that and added a little bit. They're gonna have to inter- incorporate Dinwiddie, but AD and Dilo, it seems like they they vibe. You know, they had some choice words, I think, for for the defense. But I thought AD was pretty careful with what he said or didn't say. But the one thing I took away from it, Tim, that I thought was interesting, he he likes playing that ball screen action is two v two rotations. He and he wants to keep it simple. And Delo seemed to agree. Yeah, AD's really good at that. And if AD's in that action and you are sending extra help, like if you're hedging. That's, you know, you need back end rotations behind that. And 80s probably feels like, you know, I can, if you are worried about someone pulling up, just have me a little bit higher up at the level of the screen and then I'll retreat, but still play 2v2. And we've seen that like high drop coverage be something the Lakers used. Uh, they used it last year in the playoffs against Memphis. They used it a bit against Golden State. So it's, it's good to have that in the toolkit. Well, I guess what I'd say to AD is like, when you have worse ball screen defense or worse uh, screen navigation from your guards, it's, you know, you're, you're on that Island an extra half second and that can make life really difficult. But if there's anybody that's going to be able to hold up in those situations, it's AD and uh, who knows, maybe we'll see more of that moving forward. I'm sure if he wanted to see more of it, he could just go tell Darwin. But so I don't, I don't look at this as a jab. I think more just a, what does he prefer? What's his favorite thing to be doing? And I think if you're looking at like, a big man defending ball screens, that drop coverage is probably like the way that you are most impactful or can feel like you have the most control over a play. Yeah, one thing he mentioned is um again, he was very tactful with how he said it, but he said, Man, one thing with our team is that we're small. He mentioned them being small, and that thing plays into your point about having that good back pressure and that physicality kind of stay at least attached on the hip, maybe not completely behind. That is super underrated and you don't always want to have to rely on a superstar having to do godlike things. Like I think that is it's great to have when they're able to do it and but the more traditional application of having that that person on ball. And with Delo and Austin out there it's tough, which makes me move on, move on to Spencer Dinwiddie who is a guard but not quite used like that on defense, Tim. So I guess being able to add some size, you know, he's about the same height as Austin, but definitely a bit stouter and plays with more physicality. You enter kind of a, a strangely versatile kind of guard, you know, wing defender type into your guard rotation. How do you think Dinwiddie affects how this team will try to defend that action AD was describing? Yeah, I, Dinwiddie used to be a point of attack defender and he he was every season of his career prior to the ACL injury he had in 2020. And since then, he's been used more as a wing defender. He was a wing stopper for two seasons, including this year. And last year, he was used as a helper, defending more threes. And if you look positionally, rather than, and and it used to be this way, all of those early seasons for him, he guarded ones the most, then twos, then threes, then fours, then fives. He was like a point guard defender. And he had D, F, and F defensive impact those three seasons that he played real minutes. More recently, he's had better defensive impact. And... I see it more having to do with them, you know, using his size and allowing him to guard up a bit where his on-ball defense isn't as much on display. He, I still don't think is is a particularly good on-ball defender, but if you can use him in defending those ball screen actions on-ball, 
I think you're going to worry about his, his screen navigation. So if you're going to switch, he's got good size for a switch. He's, he's got better size for a switch than D'Lo. He's got better size for switching than Reese. I know he's apparently the same height, but he's got some inches on him from a wingspan perspective. He's got a little bit more weight to him. And so he's in a better position to help you if you want to try to switch. And I think him in those bench switchy lineups that we saw for a stretch of the season that would have like, I would say maybe like him, LeBron, uh, Wood, Rui, and then one of like Vando or Christie or Prince that you've got offense, you've got defense, you can space the floor. And in those situations, if he's playing point guard defensively, you don't really worry as much about things. If you stick him in those drop actions and need him to navigate around the screens, I don't love that as much. And that's where I think hedging, if you're not switching, would be beneficial for Dinwiddie if he's on ball in those situations. But I think more likely than not, we'll see him more off ball defensively. And that's where he does have some size. And if he does need to rotate, he, he's got a little bit more size and weight to him to make things happen there on that back line. Hopefully not as the low man defender, but helping the helper, things like that. So I don't know if it changes what the Lakers have done, but I can see him easily fitting into some of what the Lakers like to do. When they switch, he fits more in those lineups than having four winged guys and then D'Lo or four winged guys and then Austin Reeves. And then we have seen the Lakers at their best this year when they've been hedging and blitzing. And I see him fitting in, whether it's on ball or off ball, he's got good size and you don't have to worry about the screen navigation as much because of that style of defense. Ultimately, you might need to go with him a bit more in the playoffs um, because of some of these, you know, coverages and being able to actually try to stop teams and have less beatable guys than Austin and D'Lo next to each other to maybe only have one of those guys out there to pick on and or less. They can actually roll none of them out, too, if they want to really go with like a second unit. Spencer can also bring some playmaking that those units would need. I think he can spot up next to LeBron really well. I think his shooting is up and down throughout his career, which is interesting. What do you what's your take, I guess, overall on the offensive impact as far as like him being able to replace some playmaking, shooting, be another good guard in, in the rotation? Yeah. I if we look at how he's been used throughout his entire career, he's been a shot creator. He's been he's gonna run some ball screens. He's going to do some spotting up, but he's also going to ISO a little bit. And this season, if you look at the percentage of his scoring possessions that come from isolations, that percentage ranks 10th in the NBA. And he's been pretty good at it. He's, he's not phenomenal. It's not something I want to be doing all the time, but he has been substantially better than the Lakers have been as a team. They've been bottom five, bottom six in the NBA. And LeBron has really struggled. Rui has really struggled. Those have been the Lakers top two ISO guys and they're both like 0.85 and 0.81 points per possession, which is just horrendous. Um, so Dinwiddie adds an element there where, Hey, if it's late clock, someone needs to make something happen. He can do that. And he's got the size where he can, if, if he's being defended by a guard, he can bully them a little bit and get downhill, get to the rim. And that downhill ability, whether it's from ISO or ball screens or spotting up transition, that's another key thing he brings to the table. It's something I know Lakers fans had been wanting to see because Austin and D'Lo aren't really that style of guard. It was something we saw from Dennis and uh, Dinwiddie does this more and better than Dennis Schroeder. So I, that's a, that downhill ability, whether he's on ball or off ball is nice to see. Uh, he is a high volume pick and roll player. 
his uh, scoring and ball screens hasn't been great, but his once you factor in his passing, he's been pretty effective. Just as effective this season as Steph Curry, I think a spot below Paul George. So he can run ball screens. He can do some ISO when you need it, but ideally a little bit less in this new role with the Lakers. And then spotting up, I think if you look at him and you're like, oh no, this is another on-ball guy. I know his three-point percentages aren't great. You know, How does he fit in off-ball? I would point you to his spot-up three-point shooting percentages, which have been 42, 40, and 42% the past three seasons and on quite a bit of volume. We're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shots, uh, 463 spot-up threes, and he's hit, I'm sorry, 42, 45, and 42%, uh, 43% overall in the season since his ACL tear. So he will be off-ball more with the Lakers than he's used to, and he can handle that. And so that's encouraging to me. Uh, his pull-up three-point shooting has been very bad recently, Ds and F grades for the past five seasons, but he's been a really good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, especially adjusting for the degree of difficulty. And so I see him fitting in off-ball really well and on ball, you know, ISO when you need it, but not a ton pick and roll when you want it. And he's a good passer and playmaker and a step above Austin Reeves in that regard. And more along the lines of where D'Lo is, which is going to be another big boost to the team. I know that was something we were really concerned with if the Lakers were to make a trade and they've been able to add that downhill ability and the passing and ability as an off ball player for free here, which is to me is a gigantic the team i guess let's let's quickly talk to a little bit of like winners and losers within the rotation i think this was uh, an obviously an l for christy but he's hurt right now sure maybe it's only an ankle sprain maybe it's just you know he'll be ready to go a week or so after the the all-star break but you have cam reddish coming back after the all-star break almost you know certainly christy is gonna just be given time and he was kind of on the fringes when you know, Vando, Cam, Rui are all healthy. So it seems like Christie might get squeezed out of this, right? So he's he's definitely a loser in that respect. Who do you think is kind of going to improve from this, this slotting and and where Dinwiddie can kind of, you know, provide more depth on, on the playmaking, on the self-creation and all that? I think Austin Reeves is the guy I'd point to. And the reason for that is we've seen just how effective he can be like last season in the playoffs and the regular season when he was able to operate more in an off ball role and in an off ball offensive role, he has plus playmaking skill. He has plus creation skill compared to on ball guys that are doing that all day, every day. He's a little bit weaker in those two areas relatively. So you're now putting him in a position where with his skill set, he's kind of a plus for the role. You're slotting him better and he should be very effective. He'll carry a little bit less of a burden and that should probably mean more efficiency for him. I think Dinwiddie can kind of step into that on-ball usage in the playmaking usage from Reeves. Reeves slots into the good off-ball role that probably bumps Christie out or Reddish out. And I think that works really well for, for Austin offensively. And then along with that, if he's needing to carry less of a load on offense, he now has more energy to expend on the defensive end of the court, which is an area that we saw last year him be better at than he has been so far this year. And I think if you can fix the offensive slotting, you now unlock a new degree of tenacity from Reeves defensively that can get him back to what we had seen in the past where he was a decent point of attack defender, not one of the best guys, not one of the most disruptive, but can stay in front, you know, fight through screens, communicate, 
And if he can up his game to be a point of attack defender and, and be higher impact in that role than he's been so far this season defensively, that suddenly opens a lot of doors from a lineup standpoint. And now D'Lo Reeves together might make more sense. Or I think Dinwiddie Reeves together, Dinwiddie can handle more of the playmaking burden and then Reeves can be more on ball as a defender. Um, I, th- I think he is one big winner of this. And I think that really benefits at a team level being able to slot Reeves into not what he needs to do because you've got injuries or you have limited playmaking, but more of, I think what he's best at doing. It's important to uh, that D'Lo and, and Dinwiddie have kind of a previous relationship from Brooklyn. You know, he spoke on it uh, even before the official signing that he was a fan of his. And I think that's important because he, he legitimately could lose some minutes here. Um, I also think he could be a winner. I think it could go both ways for D'Lo. Right. I think in the long term, D'Lo closing minutes, you know, are already kind of spotty here and there could go down with, uh, you know, if the Lakers are able to get more leads and put in a, putting in that defensive minded lineup and being able to mold different identities around this guard rotation. So before we get to kind of like the positives and the upside, the ceiling, what's the floor for this? Like, how can this go badly if Darvin uses D'Lo, Austin, and Dinwiddie all at the same time. Do you think that, you know, he's he kind of mentioned that in a quote today. Is Does that concern you, or, or how do you think that that trio could uh, find success? Uh, the specific Darvin tweet I've got pulled up in front of me from, uh, let's see here. Okay, Dar- Darvin Ham says he thinks Spencer Dinwiddie's size, on-ball defense, and diverse offensive skill could put him in closing lineups with D'Lo and Reeves at times. The Lakers will look at three guard lineups. I kind of call BS a little bit with the on-ball defense. Um, the size, I get it. The diverse offensive skill, I get it. He, I think those groups offensively will be very dynamic because each of D'Lo Reeves and Dinwiddie can play off ball and successfully catch and shoot or catch and extend an advantage or close, you know, finish on an advantage. They can each create an advantage. So like offensively, I love that trio. Defensively, I think the path to success would be if and only if Reeves through this transition is now able to regain that defensive form and be an adequate point of attack defender. You stick him at the point of attack, D'Lo as your off ball guard, kind of in a chaser role, and then Dinwiddie, ideally not against like a scoring wing, but more of an off ball wing. He can be more in a helper role defensively at the three. I think in those situations, if we get that version of Reeves, this can have some viability. But uh, otherwise, if we just look at these three guys and what they've brought to the table so far, so far this season defensively, it really worries me what we might get out of out of this trio, regardless of who the other two players are that they're alongside. So I think there's potential, but it's contingent upon one of these guys being able to step up and be more of an on-ball defender and a successful on-ball defender. And I think Austin has to be that guy because I, I don't think it's going to be D'Lo. I don't think it's going to be Dinwiddie. I mean, like we, we've seen like D'Lo Reeves, Dennis as a grouping in the past. And Dennis was at yeah. least a point of attack where that was strong, but you were still really tiny with yeah. that. With Dinwiddie, you have more size, but you're not adding the same sort of on-ball defense. So Reeves has to step up for this to work. Otherwise, I think you're probably just going out there trying to outscore teams. Which, you know, can be viable, but it worries me a little bit. And it sucks. Like, the worst part about saying Max is a loser in this trade, tra- uh, this not trade, but deal, is that 
he's going to be the one suffering for minutes. When I feel like in what you described, I would rather have Max in there than like Austin or D'Lo. So Spencer, Max, Austin or D'Lo is way better to me and a more practical kind of spacing. You know, Spencer, Max, like uh, D'Lo, Braun, AD. You have so much different offensive options. You have some decent spacing, some, uh, you know, point of attack and some wing stopping, some, some versatility. So I think there's ways, but unfortunately, that's not what's going to probably happen. Especially, yes, Max is hurt, but I don't see that happening when they have the full slot of the deck. So, mm-hmm. But we've seen the Lakers be willing to play like heavy into offense. We, we've seen with this Rui group that they've been running out there, at least in, I don't know what the raw data looks like, but in the luck-adjusted data, it's been phenomenal offensively. And it has been absolutely horrendous defensively, but it's been better offensively than it's been worse defensively. And so overall it's worked. This might be like one degree further in that direction where you're upgrading from a skill set standpoint, going from Rui to Dinwiddie in terms of what he can do. Defensively, you're a bit smaller. You've got some worse rim protection, like rotating wise, Rui's going to perform better than Dinwiddie. And maybe you're just hoping you're able to have that 140 offensive rating and that 130 defensive rating or whatever it ends up being. So it's it's fun basketball in that a lot of points will be scored overall, but yeah. it is certainly uncomfortable basketball for me trying to like think through like, can this beat good teams that can also defend? Because it's tough. There's only there's only one basketball, but I do think this is kind of like maxing out the offensive side of the game. Okay, so then what do you think is the ceiling for this move? And like, how meaningful can it be if everything works out that could work out with Spencer Dinwiddie? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think if everything goes perfectly, so like I see this moving Reeves into a role that optimizes him, his defense takes an uptick. You've upgraded from a playmaking standpoint, adding Dinwiddie. He fits in really great off ball as a catch and shoot guy. Like you're able to 48 minutes every game have dynamic offensive lineups. And then defensively, like you've added a little bit more size within Witty. Reeves has taken a step up. I mean, at this point, if, if you make it to the playoffs and like, this is the roster at this point, we're not really making any other moves. Maybe they cut somebody and they, they get another buyout guy, but this is, this is it. And if you can get healthy and have like 13 guys available to you, including Vando and Reddish and Vincent and Christie, you've got a lot of options. And I think you can really play that chess game if you wanted to, in terms of like, we have personnel to match what you want to do. We'll run the scheme that matches what you're bad at. And like the Lakers can throw out so many different iterations within the same group of players that I, I don't know. I see that as being really enticing. And I'd see the ceiling for this group being a championship contender. Like Dinwiddie's really good. If you look at the difference between the Lakers title team in the bubble and their impact data that season, and you look at this year's Lakers team, it's basically like this. If you can insert one A caliber impact player to this year's team and then kind of slot everybody else appropriately, you're kind of on par again with that other team. And Dinwiddie has been that caliber of an impact guy this year despite, and and you and I were talking about this before we hit record, he hasn't been going hundred percent. Like you've seen some drop off from him with the, maybe not full buy-in the silent protest stuff. He's still been a really impactful player, 
And so I think you have to look at this and say, like defensively, he should be just as well off as he was before. Offensively, I think he's going to be slotted in a way that cuts out yeah. some of the fat in his game. He'll be more efficient. He's going to carry less of a burden. But at a team level, I think the caliber player you've added in brings you to that championship contender level. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic, but I still th- think this team has a lot of work to do. Getting healthy is the first thing, obviously. They have enough guys. Do they have enough guys that fit the right ways that are going to get the minutes and the experience that they need to be that Swiss Army knife? And still think they're struggling to find kind of that identity when they, they're still reincorporating hurt guys. They're getting a new piece. So there is a lack of continuity that's going to start to worry me soon. If we don't see it start to coalesce, are you worried at all about that? I'm worried about that a bit. I think one thing that can help is the fact that the team has been so much more organized with their offense recently. They're they're calling plays at a really high level. Um, over the past 21 games, in 16 of them, they've had a, an offensive uh, organization rate of greater than at or greater than 50%, which is 76% of games. The prior 20 games, they hit that mark only five of those 20 games, only 25% of the time. So they've, we're seeing them run offense in a more organized fashion. The caliber of sets is improving. The weak side action is improving and it's so much easier. And I know that there are a lot of players that they have in the playbook altogether, but they're probably like 20 to 25. They really go to on a regular basis. If Dinwiddie can learn those and know exactly where he needs to be in each of them and what the reads are for him, it will expedite the growth process for him getting acclimated to what the team wants to do. If they're going to freelance and play pickup basketball more, more moving forward, it's going to be harder because then he truly does need to learn all of his teammates, where they like to get the ball, where he, you know, he thinks they're going to move in certain situations. They have to learn how, you know, what his tendencies are. And you still want to grow that side also, but if you can supplement it with, high number of plays where you know where everybody will be because that's the job with with the set play it it makes things a lot easier so the scheme is heading in a really good direction and we're seeing that really really help things out even with the team being more injured recently like they're running plays at a high rate and they're actually at a higher winning percentage now when they're injured but they're running a bunch of plays than when they're healthy and not running plays which is crazy to see, but I, I don't know, to me makes some sense. So I think he's entering at a good time in the year where it'll be easier to understand it, what's asked of him and fit in, but it'll still be tricky because you still have to in- reintegrate several of those other guys. And if you do want to get to that point in the playoffs where you can call in anyone's number, you need to get guys minutes. You need to get them you know, aligned and bought in and all of that stuff. And I think so far the Lakers have done a good job with that. We've seen... Hayes and Christie and Reddish and Vando and all, all sorts of different guys may is at different points in the season have their number called upon when it hadn't been for quite a bit of time. And they've been able to step up and perform as long as they can keep that level of engagement, but up the scheme bit, I, I think, I don't know. There's, there's a chance that they're able to coalesce and build chemistry enough that they can, they can have that ultimate ceiling. But I do think it will be an obstacle in the short term and very much an additional vulnerability the team has when they try to play their freelance offense. And then defensively, it's, you know, it's, it's a bit harder there as well. Cause it's not, I don't think the Lakers are quite as structured on defense and they are running a lot of different 
things in a way that makes it harder than if the Lakers were like only switching or only playing drop, which again, the diversity is good also, you know, for your, your title potential, but it is harder to catch up on. There's more to learn here for Dinwiddie joining this team, as opposed to some other teams where it might be easier for him to get up to speed. But then if they're not running as many plays or they're not running as many styles of defense, they may not have the same ceiling as a team in the playoffs. So pros and cons, I'd say. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a, another kind of prove-it contract. He got traded in a deal, got cut because he had a bonus in games played. So the team who got him didn't want to, you know, mess with that, wasn't worried about him as a as an asset. He got to choose to come here, right? This isn't like he got traded or forced here. He had some other suitors. So there's an implication, I guess, that he wants to be here and he'll have some buy-in. And we talk about the cutting up a guy's game that you see so much from LeBron teams. We, it doesn't always work, right? We're still waiting for Christian Wood to kind of find his best self within this framework. Could take Dinwiddie some time as well. Are you concerned that their frequency of play calling will go down because they're incorporating this new, you know, this new player who you almost need to play significant minutes at this time based on your rotation? I'm concerned, and I'm even more concerned because he's likely going to be a guy running these plays and needing to make the reads and make the decisions with the ball in his hands. So yeah, I, I am. I think instead of lowering the frequency, the Lakers could look to keep the frequency the same, but just run uh, fewer. I mean, run, run a tighter playbook, like instead mm-hmm. of running 50 set plays in a game and within those 50 different plays, you have 35 unique separate play calls try to run 50 plays out of 15 play calls or something like that, where it's, you know, you're getting higher reps, which should expedite the growth, expedite the the level of comfort. You're still keeping that rate high. You know, there's a little bit more predictability for the, uh, for the, the team you're facing, but 
as long as you've got the right counters built in and the Lakers do, like you, you can definitely make this work. So I don't think it has to be that way, but I would be lying if I were saying I wasn't concerned that they'll drop the the frequency of play calls. It's a good good note. He's been really good in the corners last couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. Lakers are going to create all kinds of shots in the corners and him just being able to be out there and, you know, maybe maybe the Laker curse isn't real. This is the one, guys. Spencer Dinwiddie. No, I expect him to shoot, you know, equally as bad as he was in Brooklyn. <laughs> he hasn't, hasn't been shooting the ball great overall. But to your point, it's a lot of like really difficult shots. So is that, mm-hmm. I suspect that's going to get cut out to an extent. The Lakers may still need him to kind of, you know, operate within some freestyle offense. But I don't think Dinwiddie is going to have a problem kind of adapting his game again framing it with like he chose to be here right like i expect you'd try to buy in immediately yeah i would ex- I, he he should know what he's getting himself into and like we saw him like he was at the that last game with rob palinka i'm sure he met with the coaching staff and they explained to him here's how we see you fitting in you know here's what your play type distribution would look like or your shot profile where we're wanting from you here's the kinds of lineups we'd expect you to be in here are the kinds of roles we'd expect you to be in and evidently he's he's bought into that and you know we talked about the threes and how the he's a good catch and shoot guy with pull-ups not so good from like mid-range he takes a decent number of middies he's a got a very good floater but is taking really tough floaters he's taking incredibly hard like superstar caliber mid-range jumpers but that's stuff that you're seeing from his iso game that's stuff you're seeing more from his pick and roll game as he's more of a spot-up guy and he's still going to do the on-ball stuff but as we see him more as an off-ball player, we're going to see way less of that mid-range shooting. Only 16 of his 149 spot-up scoring possessions this year have been mid-range jumpers. So like 10% of the time he's doing that as an off-ball guy, whereas the percentage is much higher on-ball. And then so the, the role will naturally cut out some of that fatness game. Even though he's, he's decent at it, they're just really tough shots. And so the percentage itself might not be the best. And I don't know. Just if you look at the types of shots you get as the first option in a lineup and the types of shots you get as the third option or fourth option in the lineup, there's a big difference. And the difference is those really tough shots and removing those from his shot diet just naturally based on how he's deployed, I think will result in a much more efficient Dinwiddie. And looking at his shooting at the rim, that's another area that if you're just looking at the the field goal percentage, it's not looking so hot, but he is someone that has pretty consistently been good at the rim when you adjust for his degree of difficulty he's just taken tremendously difficult shots and lower than any laker um in in recent seasons and so if you can give him easier looks because you've got good spacing you've got high weak side action rates in your set plays you know again he's third option or second option or fourth option instead of the first or second option in lineups like you're going to cut out some of the difficult stuff let him do what he's good at. And I mean, it's not that we never want him to ISO. If you look at his stable ISO points per possession, he's got A minus A, A plus, A minus A, A plus, and A grades throughout his career. But getting the frequencies fine-tuned a bit will push him, push Dinwiddie in that right direction where he's he's able to get the job done. And I, I'm not, I don't think these field goal percentages at different spots on the court are going to stay as poor as they've been. Like I'd bet money on that. I think that's pretty. That should be pretty straightforward. He's he's all over the board on his b-ball reference page. Like his career is like 
he'll be shoot 32% from three on, you know, six attempts a game and then he'll shoot 40 and then he'll shoot 37. And then it's kind of been all over the map for him, but he has had an interesting career mm-hmm. in like different versions of Brooklyn team, uh, drastically mm-hmm. different for that disaster in Washington, you know, got traded to the Mavs, you know, had, had got a little feisty there with Luca in the playoffs and showed, you know, just brought some like bench punch for them. And I hope I'm hoping he can bring the same for this team. We'll see how that gets incorporated. Cause I, I'm still concerned about the offensive synergy that can be brought. Like we haven't seen that from Christian Wood is just where I keep going back to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what could give us some, some confidence is the areas in which you want to be careful about how you use him like with ball screens, where if you look at like his ball screen scoring, he's, he's good against drop. He's good against hedging. He, you know, he'll make good decisions against blitzing against switching. He's weaker. And when he's a top option on like Nets teams and, and defensive switch, like he's got to go make something happen. And I know as a bigger guy, I think he's almost better ISOing against smaller guards than he is against like bigs that the defenses feel comfortable enough switching with. And so like, that's a trigger spot for him, but for the Lakers, just like with D'Lo, who is weaker at this, for the Lakers, you've got AD to go feed the ball to, or you've got LeBron James to go feed the ball to. And so you're in better spots when the defenses are switching. You don't have to be the guy. And when defenses are trying to go under against him, which has been the other big kryptonite for his ball screen game, like that that's a problem. That That's concerning. We've just seen the Lakers have to deal with Russell Westbrook and Dennis Schroeder in these situations for the past couple seasons. And they were able to modify the ball screen angles to be more in North South, more step up ball screens than side to side screens. So I think there's so much in the Lakers playbook that if you just plop Dinwiddie into Reeves's usage or, you know, what we've seen Skylar Mays do the past couple games, like he will be already put in positions that fit what he's good at and keep him away from what he's bad at in a way that like, we didn't have as much of a blueprint for Christian Wood coming to the Lakers and being used correctly. And if anything, we had almost, you know, a, a example of it not going well with a mobile big with, with Damian Jones from last season. And then offensively, we just hadn't really seen that pick and pop big really leaned on. So I think there's, there's more of a track record with Darvin Ham and his staff at using a guy like Dinwiddie correctly. And so that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable and, like I know the percentages can be up and down with his shooting, but like I'm looking at his uh, season grades for his catch and shoot three point shot making. So difficulty adjusted on B ball index and B plus B plus B plus B C minus a minus a. And then this season he's at a D minus and this smaller sample where we don't know that he's fully, you know, going hundred um, percent. But generally he's been an above average to pretty good catch and shoot three point shooter. And specifically on spot ups has been, really, really good. So I don't know. I I just think it'll be harder to not have him fit just with how we've seen this Lakers team use similar styles of players in the past. And even just with how the scheme is looking right now, I don't think you have to adjust the playbook for Dinwiddie. I think you just need to make sure you call the giant segment of plays that do fit what he's good at rather than the handful of plays that don't do what he's good at. Like double drag. I think you want to run less with him, but any of those step-up ball screens, I think he'd be a good fit for. You know what I like? Looking at his data, A-plus lob creation rate. Oh, hell yeah. A-plus. He has Nick Claxton there. That's a good a lob threat. 
Build me. Hey, I'm putting you on the spot here because I'm curious what you think. Build me the best Dinwiddie LeBron AD lineup. Two Ooh. other guys you think could fit the rest um, that you're most interested to see, maybe, is a better way to frame it. Okay. Um, give me. I'm intrigued by the Reeves Dinwiddie backcourt with Reeves more point of attack on defense, Dinwiddie more primary ball handler on offense. But between the two, you have plenty of dynamic ability offensively and then and then i think defensively if reeves makes that jump you can you can do some really exciting things there and then i don't know man give me i don't know <laughs> torian prince i'm not sure i think offensively the off-street stuff with him would be nice and then defensively he could play wing stopper and and i'm not as worried as i am with vando about the spacing bit and so that would be a five-man grouping we could see the lakers run out tomorrow because all of those guys are healthy Christie would be someone I think would be interesting to have out there as a point of attack defender. He's not healthy right now, but Dinwiddie Reeves with Prince LeBron and AD, I think would be a, a good group on both ends of the court potentially. If again, if Reeves takes that step up on defense, I'm curious, I'm, I'm going to go a different way because of partly circumstance, but kind of more where's Cam Reddish going to fall? Uh, Vando's out for a while, so he's going to be able to f- step in more like he was in the beginning of the season, you know, whether we want to or not. How much more physically imposing could Cam be next to another decent-sized guard? What's that switchy lineup for them? So I, I almost want to see, like, Cam and uh, Spencer, LeBron, AD, and let's throw out Austin. I think that could be interesting. I would almost go, I would lean more into the big wingy groups and say, uh, give me Dinwiddie. If everyone's healthy, give me like LeBron, AD, Rui, Dinwiddie, and like Vanda or Prince or Christie, where you, one through five, you've got some like bigger bodies. Yeah. I think those would be really interesting groups or, or Woods out there, like, Wood, Braun, Rui, Dinwiddie, Prince, or or Christie, or Vando. Um, yeah, I good. guess if you're going to go Wood, I'd stick Vando in there. So another guy to bring in, another ball handler, maybe build some chemistry with with a Jackson Haynes or a Christian Wood, see if he can you know get more out of him in that respect. Mm-hmm. But I think the Dinwiddie gives them a lot of options. We could talk for days for you know, and we're gonna do a uh, a bonus pod here for the Discord members. But Tim, I guess kind of. Finishing up our Spencer Dinwiddie conversation, can you give the folks a, a taster of what you potted about when you did a, a whole little bonus pot on him for the private Discord tiers? Oh, yeah. I uh, I put that up yesterday. And if you <laughs> checked that out, you got a little bit more info on some some specifics around his pick and roll game, some specifics on his his spot up, his ISO game, talking a bit more about his playmaking and how he how he would slot others in as a playmaker. And I listed off like a dozen point guards. I, he's been more impactful than that. I thought was really interesting and kind of dug into the why bit of that. Uh, I Ooh, talked can about you give us a couple names. Give me a couple sure. names. Sure. DeJounte Murray. Oh, how relevant. Ro- yeah, I know. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso, uh, Marcus wow. Smart, Drew Holiday. Tyus Jones. Yeah, there are more, but I'll, I'll stop there. You go listen to the pod for the That's rest. Uh, I talked yeah. a bit more about schematically some specifics on actions I'd like to see him in, sets I'd like to see him in. I talked a bit about defensively some of the nuance of 
here's exactly what I think I'd be doing with him and what types of things he's good at and not as good at and active with or not active with and you know how that may materialize in the regular season in the playoffs. So it's some overlap with what we talked about today, but also another, you know, just deeper dive in, in a couple certain areas that I think the, the good folks might find interesting. Yeah. Come go check that out. Um, in our private discord, you can follow either of our bios to figure out how to get in there. Last thing before we wrap up this main public pod, I wanted to ask you, Tim, was your general feeling on the Lakers standing pat at the trade deadline? Seems like to be, to be fair, it seems like they saw, Maybe not Dinwiddie specifically, but a type of guard addition coming through the buyout pipeline. But I do think there were some pretty good value trades, like Knicks getting Boyan Bogdanovich. You know, I thought there were some players the Lakers could have used for a reasonable price. Maybe you know the Lakers couldn't get them for it because the Laker tax. But is there any trade that happened out there that you were like, "Ooh, I wish the Lakers would have done that"? So. I don't I, I like some guys were able to be acquired at somewhat of a bargain, but the fit for this team and answering the questions that this team has and the, the holes that we need addressed, I didn't really see great, you know, great deals out there. I think you could maybe look at like Royce O'Neal, but like if you're going to say Royce O'Neal is going to go do Tori and Prince's job better than Tori. And I, I think of a misunderstanding of what each of those two guys is like good and bad at. Um, what about Gafford? Oh, what did Gafford go for? Actually, I missed that. The Wizards got Rashawn Holmes and a 2024 first round pick from the Thunder? Or I think it was originally a Thunder pick. Got it. So it's like the 25th overall pick. Yeah. So Gafford's pretty good. Gafford's very good. I think if you were to go pursue the, like, let's go find us a big rim protecting big man option this would have been a way to go about it i would say is spending that first round pick and like i don't know who the player would be that would make this work for washington in in lieu of rashawn holmes because because holmes has some appeal to him trade but... Rui back to him <laughs> trade Rui back to washington for daniel gaffer uh, i just i don't see it i don't know like gaffer's <laughs> interesting but like i think the route the lakers went they got just about as big of a, a boost and a fit to the holes that they had with the playmaking, with the downhill attacking. Like they've got more size for the switchy lineups. Like they were able to address what I think they needed to address for free. And now you can go spend three first round picks this this next offseason and try to swing for some bigger fish instead of spending one on Daniel Gafford, who may be more of a situational backup rotation player. So they could have gone that route and I probably would have been okay with it, but I don't know that it moved the needle in the same sort of way that they'll be able to move the needle by packaging more picks together. Yeah. There's reports that, you know, they could be interested in the other Atlanta guard or, you know, Donovan Mitchell is going to be the premier guy and maybe the Lakers can get him is kind of like a partner for AD as LeBron, you know, kind of tags along for this new big two. Um, in his 40 year, you know, age 40 season, but it feels bad. Like, still have LeBron AD should be able to put a, a good team together with that has some interesting versatility and, and real tangible talent outside of Bron and AD on this squad. So, 
I'm not totally punting on this here, Tim. I think the Dinwiddie move definitely helps. I think there'll be some challenges, maybe some growing pains. But they really need the guard depth right now, and he's a, a real NBA player with, again, adding more real-life talent to it with some diverse, you know, kind of from the roster you already have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, dude, like we've seen this Lakers team this season when healthy and running plays has been phenomenal. And when when not on second night of a back-to-back. The back-to-back thing doesn't happen in the playoffs. And moving forward, we're not going to have as many. And when we do have back-to-back games, the Lakers, have, you know, the, the rest days before and after are so much more favorable than they had been earlier in the season. So that piece for the rest of this year and into the playoffs, not a problem. Running plays you control, and we've seen the upswing. And this was the time of year last year where we saw the upswing and so far this season, there hasn't been a point in time where it's been lower from a rate standpoint of, of the time the team's running plays than what we saw last year. So we're, we're ahead of schedule. If it grows, if it continues to grow, you know, check that box off. And then if you're healthy, like we're looking at a team that within those circumstances, which aren't crazy, I'm not talking about like, oh, the team wins on Tuesdays when they wear the black jerseys. Like this is real like basketball impact stuff that looks like it's lining up favorably and you've added in a really nice piece on top of things so like i think this team for most of the season was underperforming what they could do and there's still a handful of guys who have done that and are still kind of in that form but if they're figuring it out schematically which it looks like they have and they're able to like with more consistency and that higher heights run organized sets and the, the weak side action, we see a clear, clear big jump recently and how frequently that's happening. So like in a lot of tangible ways, I can point to and say they're better here, they're better there, they're better there, they're better there. Clearly, they've figured thing, some things out. If that continues happening and you add Dinwiddie in and you're not like super injured and, and so far this past six games have been the most injured six game stretch for the Lakers this season and yet they've gone four and two. This is a really good basketball team, and you're only three and a half games back from the six seed right now. So with like I think 28 games left or so, you can absolutely make some moves and you know open some eyes to the potential of this Lakers team. Yeah, we're recording this Monday afternoon. Lakers got two games left. They have a chance, two winnable games against the Pistons and at Utah. They have a chance to go into the break 30 and 26 after a rough stretch after the in-season tournament. So they, they have shown growth. There's positivity. They have a new piece to integrate, which will be fun to watch. Y'all watching on playback, stick around. We are going to do our bonus pod here in just a moment. Y'all listening on the pod, get in our Discord. Find out how to listen to that pod through our private tiers. Um, you can join all kinds of the community and different threads on Discord, different you know opportunities. You get to see Tim's uh, data uh, for his half-court offense stuff, which is, you know, a big challenge and Tim's taken on and it's pretty cool to, you know, hear it on the pod, but you can go through it yourself if you want. Yeah. There, there's a lot I'm able to look at with it. I'm sure there are other things I am not using it to its fullest potential. So dig in there, you get access to that tracker document and the interactive dashboard. It's super, super cool stuff. You get access to the X's and O's uh, repository. If you're looking to get better, with your scheme knowledge, you know, you can check that out at the courtside tier in that lower bowl tier. You get those bonus pods like the, the Q and a pod we're about to record and the one I had out yesterday and another I had out a handful of days prior to that and more we'll probably have out later this week. Like there's a ton more content 
joining those premium tiers, and then there's great discussion. In those. So definitely do check it out. All right. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you all later. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.